Luke chapter 14, I'm going to read this passage and then we'll get into some different things tonight. But Luke chapter 14 and verse number 25. And there went great multitudes with him and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth, whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. In 1993, and you probably, you may remember this, you may not. I kind of went down a rabbit hole with this um, when, I, when I read just a little bit about this. But in 1993, AT&T had a series of commercials, and, and I guess all of them were just called You Will. And in the ads, the AT&T voiceover guy posed a question in every one of those, have you ever? And he followed that up with a question, uh, just a number of different scenarios that in 1993 would have been crazy to think about. Uh, and, and so he had a couple examples. One of them, have you ever driven across the country without stopping for directions? And then an ad showed a, a, like, a, like a picture of a map on a moving screen in the center console of this car. This is 1993. And here they're talking about GPS, you know. Have you ever paid a toll without slowing down? The voiceover guy said that, and, and then the car passes through a toll moving fast. You know, 1993, that would have been, nobody thought of that, you know. Uh, have you ever sent a fax from the beach? Of course, we don't use faxes anymore, but they hit this one. That's what the voiceover guy says. And then a, uh, the commercial uh, shows a man on a beach writing on a digital tablet and then pressing send. I mean, 1993, there were computers, but nothing like what we have now, let alone, you know, all of the wireless, everything that we have now. Have you ever attended a meeting barefoot and it showed a virtual meeting online? You know, have you ever watched a movie when you wanted to watch it? Showed us just a, a movie streaming on the TV. You know, have you ever monitored your home security when you were not at home? Shows a video of somebody watching the home. And they, I mean, they were, they were just, some of them were, never came to fruition. I think they had even some with flying cars and stuff like that, which, hey, may not be too far off in the future. But, uh, you know, I mean, just the fact that they were able to break these things in 1993. And, and I wonder how many people were watching those commercials and thought, that's something that we could do, you know, and, and ended up implementing them. I don't know, but we have all of those things now. And so here we are, 1993, 25, 26, 27 years later, and getting people to prepare for the future was a great business strategy on the part of AT&T. So I asked the question tonight, how about a 25-year plan for your family? Um, your kids will be grown and gone by then, 25 years from now. You might even be a grandparent by that point, or a great-grandparent if you're already a grandparent, but... You're probably looking back over your life wondering how time went by so fast. And we can put ourselves in a great position by implementing a plan for our families that would be a 25-year plan. I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically 25 years, but that's exactly what this passage is talking about. Who doesn't sit down and plan first? Who just 
You know, who goes to start uh, building a building and, and puts the ground floor up and then realizes they don't have enough money or materials to finish and just walks away from it? They're going to be the laughing stock. Everybody starts to mock them, right? Or what kind of king just says, eh, we'll go to war. It doesn't matter how many people they have. No, you plan first. You put a strategy together to see if it's even possible to do it, right? Uh, that's, what a, that's what a normal thing to do is. And then Jesus, you know, this is obviously if you have the the words of Christ in red, you can tell that this is Jesus speaking here, and he says, basically, if you don't forsake everything and basically count the cost, you can't be my disciple. And so tonight, I just want to look at 10 things, and we're going to go through these very quickly, that'll help us to prepare for our family's future. I know we say 10 things, it sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, but we're going to go through quicker tonight than what we normally do. So I want to, I want to look at these things tonight. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Number one is live like we mean it today. Live like we mean it today. And I know that kind of sounds counterintuitive. It's not, though. You know, if we're talking about a 25-year plan and then we say live like we mean it today, well, it sounds kind of, kind of counterintuitive. But in what's known as the parable of the rich fool here in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells about a man that spent every waking hour preparing things for the future, accumulating things for the future. And building increasingly bigger and bigger barns to put it. And unfortunately, he never got to see that 25 years down the road. It says this in Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know, that's sadly how a lot of families live. They never enjoy any of the things that they have today. Because everything is, well, what's going to happen in 25 years from now? What am I going to do in 25 years? And they don't enjoy the things that they have today. Having a lot of money in the bank when your kids are in their formative years is not as important as making memories with them. Spend a little money to make memories. Um, because the thing is, and, and a, lot of, a lot of businessmen, rich businessmen, look back on their lives, and they realize that you cannot go back and buy memories. You can't go back and use all the money that you've accumulated to buy any of those things once they're passed. So live like we mean it today. And if we're careful to live like we mean it today, then we're building a solid, solid foundation for years to come. That's number one. The number, number two is practice balance. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we're not going to turn to passages on every one of these um, points because some of them are actually very practical points as well. But like I've said with everything that we've done in this series on the family is that not only is everything very practical, everything that's practical is also very spiritual at the same time. Uh, because every, I mean, the Bible is very practical in the way that it tells us how to do things and how to live and all of those things. So when we look at all of these points, they're very practical and very spiritual at the same time. But, you know... Practice balance. Somebody said one time that wisdom is not having to go to the store for milk right before breakfast. Uh, you know, living like we mean it today includes an appropriate plan for tomorrow. Speaking of going to the, the store, I don't know what you're laughing at, but this is a different story. When I went to, uh, when I told this story about when we were in Romania, you know, I had to go to the store for milk before breakfast, and I ended up coming back with cream and dumped it all over my cereal, and that stuff was so thick I couldn't even eat it, you know. I, and I didn't know, you know, I, I was looking at all the milk, and it was actually, the, the, this was all like, 
Ours comes in a little jug, you know, or like a little thing with a cover on it. These were in a milk jug, it, and it was, I mean, <clears throat> I told the story, but I, I was like, man, I know, the, I know the container that we had in our fridge was red, and this, this container is red, so I'm just going to get this one. Well, that was all like sweet cream and, and, you know, heavy cream and everything else. The milk was all in this section right here, and I didn't notice the difference, you know. So I had walked all the way to the store. I walked all the way back. I opened it up. I dumped it on my cereal, and it stayed right on the top of my cereal, you know. <laughs> Wisdom is not having to go to the store for milk right before breakfast. And so that's what I'm saying. Live like we mean it today means that we are going to appropriately plan for the future at the same time. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8, but if any provide not for his own, and specifically, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's pretty serious, you know? So, oh, we're going to live like we mean it today. We're going to go spend all of our money on vacations here and there and do everything else, and now we don't have anything to prepare for tomorrow. Now we're living such in debt that we can't even breathe. That is not planning for the future. That's not practicing balance. So today, balanced with tomorrow, family relationships balanced against making a living. And if we get so focused on making a living that we forget to make a life, then we've lost the balance in there. Um, if we get so focused on making a life and making memories that you forget to make a living, then you're going to end up losing both. And so that's why it's so important that we practice that balance. Find that balance because it's not going to find you. Number three. This is very practical right along with that, but spend less than you earn every month. It sounds easy to say, but there's so many people in America that spend way beyond their means, and they live in, they live in such debt that if they stop spending today, it would take them 10 years to get out of the debt that they're in right now. It's a simple guideline with, with very complex repercussions. Digging out of debt is like building a wall with dry sand. I don't know if you ever, you know, it, it's, it's hard to do. You can't do it. Um, no, you know, debt, debt is so crippling to a family. And so maybe you find yourself in that position, but the first thing that you have to do is to stabilize your spending. You're not going to get out of debt if you're still spending more than you're making every month. And I, and I get it. You know, the more you make, the easier it is to not be in debt, the easier it is to climb out of debt and everything else. And, you know, um, Dave Ramsey is, is a big financial guy and, and does a lot of, you know, uh, helping people with plans to pay off their debts and everything else. And I hear these people, you know, we were $98,000 in debt and we paid it off in 13 months. And I'm like, it takes me 13 years to make $98,000, period, let alone pay off that much debt, you know. And so it is easier if you make more money to be able to do that. But I, it, the less money you make, the more important it is to, to make sure that you're spending less than you make every month. So Stabilize that spending, set up a budget, make it work, and then pay off the debt. Um, and because the thing is, you go into debt, you're going to pay more interest on that debt than, you're, than you even have that you're borrowing. I mean, it just, it's a snowball that is very, very hard to get off of. And so you can buy so much more by saving up to buy something than by going into debt to buy it. We've been conditioned that if we want it, we're going to go buy it, whether we have the money or not. I'll just put it on a credit card, right? We've been conditioned to do that in America. That's what the commercials and all the advertisements and all that stuff push everybody to. If you want it, it's, you, should, you should have it, you know? I, I just, it just cracks me up around Christmas time. You start to see these, these commercials on, on, you know, basketball games and stuff like that for Lincoln Navigators and stuff like that. You know, here's two of them sitting out in the yard and, well, we earned it. And I'm like, man, it'd be nice to just go out and buy two Lincoln Navigators if that's what you wanted to, you know, because you earned it. But 
you know, the thing is, everybody gets this mindset of, you know what? I did earn it. I want a Lincoln Navigator. Who cares if it costs three times what your income is? I want it. I'm going to get it. We'll figure it out later how we're going to pay for it. And that's, that's what happens. So spend less than you earn every month. You'll be able to build for the future. Number four, invest yourself in your children. Invest yourself in your children. Here's the math. Don't worry, it's painless, it's not, it's not difficult math, but if you take a, a child that's five years old, neglect a child that's five years old, and then add a couple of years, and you look at the percentage of time that you have left with that child before he's gone out of your house, you've missed a huge percentage of the opportunity that you have to influence that young life. And turn that around, by the time, you know, by the time they're 10, you'll have been the world's best parent forever if you... Take the time to invest in your child's life. If you take the time to invest yourself in your children, the more years that we let slip away, the deeper the hole, uh, the deeper in the hole that relationship becomes. And it's, it's just like negative, in, negative interest that is compounding daily. And the older they get, the more important it is that you spend that time with them. And just because, well, man, I, I, I should have done that all the way until they're seven, eight, nine years old, and I didn't. So now what do I do? Start now. Start now. Invest yourself in your children. Because simply put, today is the right time to be the best dad that you can be. Today is the best time to be the best mom that you can be. Uh, you, can, you can invest your time and your money into a business and have a great business. And <clears throat> certainly we need good businessmen and everything else. Or you can invest your time and your money into your children. And that, that's an investment that you're never going to lose out on. Take them out for ice cream. You know, Buy them a basketball hoop. Go out, you go out to eat with them every once in a while. It doesn't have to be the fanciest things. It doesn't have to be the nicest restaurants. But that's how you invest in your children. That's, you know, yes, you could go buy this, whatever it is that you want, or you could take that money that you would have used to buy that thing that you probably don't even need in the first place and, and go do something nice with your kids. Go make a memory with your kids, you know. Uh, somebody, a lot of people have, uh, I say a lot of people, I've heard of, of a good number of people that have started doing things like this for Christmas and birthday. Look, they don't need any more toys. They got so many toys, they don't even know what to do with them, you know? Buy them a ticket to go see, uh, you know, a, a hockey game or go to a basketball game or something like that. You're going to make, they're going to be talking about that well past when they're going to be talking about that, you know, that, uh, that squirt gun that they got that lasted for about 10, 10 minutes and broke. You know, take that money, take that time and invest it into your kids. If you don't really have the money, then get creative. Find out things that you can do at home to invest in your kids. There's plenty of things you can do that don't cost anything. Ask me. I'll tell you all the places you can go in Richmond that don't cost anything to get into that are fun. You know, you can enjoy it. You can have a lot of fun doing it. Go camping. Look, you can't afford to go spend two or three nights in a hotel. Go camping. It costs 15 bucks a night, you know, and, and you make so many memories doing it. So... Invest yourself in your children. Number five, make tough choices today. And this is really kind of an offshoot of the last point. You know, don't say, I'll spend time with my kids next year when everything fill in the blank. We have to invest in family time today. Don't, don't deal with your distant relationship with your wife. Well, once the kids get settled in school, then we'll be able to, oh, we've got to face the music before the damage solidifies. We've got to spend time today. Don't say, well, we'll take care of us, the budget or the priorities after the kids go to college. Bite the bullet now, take care of those things, and get a handle on them. Uh, if you make the hard choices today, then in 25 years, the problems are just going to be a memory. 
and that you won't have all of those years of compounded problems on top of each other that you're never going to get out of. Number six, love your wife, love your husband, uh, love your spouse. Turn over to Ephesians chapter five. We've been taking a lot of time to go through this in Sunday school, uh, but too many parents neglect each other in favor of the kids. And look, you, you have to, I've just been telling you that. Spend time with the kids. Spend time with the kids. Invest in your kids. But so many parents invest everything in their kids and nothing in their marriage. You have, what, 18 years, 20 years that your kids are going to be at home? Think about how long your marriage is going to be around after your kids are gone. If you live a normal life, you'll have grandkids and maybe even great-grandkids. Your marriage is going to be around a whole lot longer than your kids are. And yes, you need to invest in your kids, but you need to invest in your marriage as well. It's a big mistake that people make, especially because it's a command in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Your best gift to your children today is to love their mother or to love their father. Let them see you love your spouse. Let them know that your spouse means everything to you. Because no matter how old your kids are today, they'll be young adults easily in 20 years. They'll probably have their own families by then. Two decades of love and respect are the best preparation for whatever's in store around 2040, right? Love makes a house a home. You've probably heard that said before. But you'll be doing three things by loving your spouse. Number one, you're giving your kids a stable home environment. One of the reasons that kids are so bad today, for lack of a better term, is that their home environment is so unstable. They have nothing to look forward to going home to. They don't want to go home. They'd rather run out on the streets and do all of these other things. A loving husband and wife creates a loving home situation, and that translates into a mom and dad who love their kids at the same time. And that gives the children a great home to grow up in. The second thing you'll be doing by loving your spouse is you'll be sharing with your kids what love is all about. The world is very quick to try to tell us what love is, and it's depicted in Hollywood and, and all over the place. What a great way to invest in their future love life and in the love, uh, love life of your future son or daughter-in-law by showing them what it means to love your husband and love your wife. You're giving them a great example of what to look for and what to be. And the best thing that you can hear from your kids is, I want to have a home and a marriage exactly like the home and, that I grew up in and exactly like the marriage that my parents had. That's the greatest compliment that you could get. So you'll be sharing with your kids what love is all about. The third thing you'll be doing by loving your spouse is you're investing in your future after the kids are gone. And I've told you this before probably several times, but I always wondered how could somebody be married for 30 years and then get divorced? And I'll tell you how that happens. It's because they spent all the time on the kids they spent all the time investing in the kids and no time investing in their own marriage. And then when the kids are grown and gone, now they're trying to get to know each other again and they don't even know who each other are. And now they have irreconcilable differences. And now, you know, I don't know who this person is anymore. And they get, they get divorced after 25 or 30 years of marriage. That's how. Because you have to invest in your marriage now while your kids are young. Your kids are not going to be with you forever. One day it's just going to be you and your spouse left at home. And you're going to have to have, you know, if you want to truly invest in the future, then you need to be putting away for, you, know, you need to be putting away today for tomorrow. The reason there's divorce and all of that stuff after all that time is because the parents realize they don't even know each other after the kids are gone. 
It's important to invest in your marriage. That's not only, it's not selfish at all. It's not selfish at all. It's investing in your future, and it's investing in your children's future. Here's number seven. Build memories that will make you smile. And, of course, this is a direct offshoot of, of the first five that we've talked about. But, you know, we, we, we may or may not live in this neighborhood in 25 years. We may or may not, you know, um, be at this income level. We may not have this physical health in 25 years. But our family will have the memories that last a lifetime. Things can change. But if you build memories that make you smile, it's great to be able to sit down and we do this from time to time, but it's great to be able to sit down and watch the old home movies, reminisce about all the things that you used to do growing up, you know? Uh, many people don't get to do that because the parents were never home to video their kids. Take the time to do that now, and you'll be able to look back. It'll be a great source of enjoyment later on. Take the time to take pictures, you know? And, and, and here's a word of caution on that, too. Some people do it so much that they live their entire life through a video camera. You know, they don't actually see the event. They only see the event through the video camera, right? Enjoy the moment. Take pictures, you know, set it up on a tripod and video the whole thing and go back and look at it later or whatever else. But enjoy the moment, you know? There's so many people that, I mean, I mean you, you, go, you see any kind of big event that happens and what do you see? Everybody's doing this, right? Everybody's doing this and they're doing this. They're not even watching what's going on in front of them because everybody's looking at their camera to make sure they got the good angle. So instead of seeing the whole picture, they see this, you know, so that they can go back and look at this later, you know. <laughs> what's the point of that? Take pictures, enjoy it, but enjoy the moment at the same time. Here's number eight. Never give up. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy. That's, that's uh, when we did book reports growing up. We always had to, uh, we always had to do an application with it. And I got to the point where when my kids in my English class did a book report, I got to the point where I told them, you cannot use never give up as a lesson that you learned from this book. They wouldn't be writing a book about this person if he quit, right? But that's the cop out, never give up. I learned from this guy to never give up. Well, of course, you know, and it sounds cheesy, but it's true. So many people have families that are in ruins because they just gave up. They quit trying. They quit fighting for the things that mattered. Uh, ordinary families are going to struggle. Not everyone can be a Pinterest or an Instagram family, right? You see these pictures, and they have everything put together, but what they don't show you is one foot outside of the frame that the world is falling apart around them, right? They're putting the perfect life on Instagram. They're putting the perfect life on Facebook or wherever else people are posting things nowadays. Their lives are not perfect either. Don't try to live your life through somebody else. Don't try to live somebody else's life. Their life is not perfect. They're trying to do whatever they do with those kind of things and make everybody think that this is perfect and everything else. It's not. And the struggle is part of the definition of life, but that doesn't mean that you have to give in to living an ordinary life. It's how we respond to the challenges that determine what the family looks like 20 years from now. And if we quit... We give up, marriage gets difficult, and we throw in the towel, and we separate, and now the kids don't even have a family to grow up in and everything else. Never quit trying. Faithfulness is more than just a physical discipline. It has to be a way of life. And faithfulness is so important, not only to God and to the things of God, but to your marriage, to your family, to, to, uh, to your work, working through those difficulties and everything else. Never give up on trying to be a better family. 
trying to be better at it, trying to make it more fun, trying to show more love, trying to be closer to God. We should never give up on any of those things. Is it going to be easy? No, or everybody would do it, and every family would be perfect. But that's teaching our children well. Number nine, relearn how to tell time. Analog, digital, 24-hour, you know, military time, none of, none of those things. For families, time accelerates as it moves forward. And I know it's the same for you. I, I look back and I'm thinking, how can I have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 5-year-old already? They were just, you know, three, or, or they were just five, two, and, and a baby last month, you know? But, but time accelerates. It gets faster and faster and faster. And I know that you, I'm not telling you things that you don't know, but the older you get, the faster it goes, you know? <laughs> when you were in high school, it felt like this is never going to get over, you know? Uh, then you get into college, and it feels like it's picking up. And by the time you get out of college, it just moves so fast, you can't even keep up with the speed of life, you know? It just weeks roll together instead of days. It's hard to believe that our kids are already as old as they are, but when those moments are gone, you can never get them back. They only learn to walk once. They only learn to talk once. Uh, they only graduate from kindergarten one time. They only play grade school and high school sports once. They only graduate from high school one time. You know, once those moments are gone, they're gone for good. So we need to learn to tell time in moments and enjoy those moments and cherish those moments because you only get them once and then they're gone. Tomorrow is never a substitute for today. And I save the most important for last. Number 10 is always keep Christ at the center. Always keep Christ at the center. You can have everything together. And there's plenty of people who have a budget. There's plenty of people who are at their kids' events. There's plenty of people who do all of these things. But it can never be right if Christ is not at the center of, of everything. Um, the whole thing breaks down if Christ is not at the center of your family. Christ has to be the center of your marriage. Christ has to be the center of your time together. Christ has to be the center of your work. Christ has to be the center of your memories together. Christ has to be the center of your budget. Christ has to be at the center of everything, and if he's not, then everything is going to be off, and you're going to spin your wheels. You're going to try so hard, and you might not give up, but it's just going to feel like you're spinning wheels and nothing's coming together because when you put business in front of God, when you put sports in front of God, when you put entertainment in front of God, when you put vacations and all of these things in front of God, nothing is going to be right. And you can have that facade. You can pretend that God is at the center of everything, but unless he really is, nothing is going to work. It'll break down. It'll fall apart. When he's at the center, then he gives you the wisdom. He gives you the strength. He gives you the knowledge. He gives you the understanding. And you look back, and you don't know how it worked. But it does. You know, uh, I, we certainly don't have a perfect life by any stretch, but I love life. I love our family. I love being with them. I, I enjoy all of that. And it's not because I'm a perfect father, but as much as we can, we put Christ at the center of everything. And we don't have a lot of money to be able to go do all of these, you know, fancy vacations and all of these things, but you don't need it. You don't need it. If Christ is at the center, you can have just as much fun in the backyard as you can in, you know, in, in the backyard of Disney World. You, know? you don't have to have all those things. 
And you can still make all those memories, and you can still do everything the way that people with plenty of money who try to buy their kids off have. But in the end, it's all going to be held together because it's held together by glue that's a whole lot stronger than money. It's held together by Jesus Christ. And if he's at the center, then everything will work. So tonight we talk about preparing a great future for your family. What, what man goes and builds a building without first planning to see if he's got the materials and the money and all of that stuff first? And what person just goes into family life without sitting down and making a plan? Sit down and think of things that you can do that'll strengthen your marriage. Sit down and think of things that you can do that'll build memories for your children. And look, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you wanted to go on a nice vacation that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that. Go on vacations. They, those make great memories too. Uh, but don't feel like you have to do those things in order to make great memories. Get creative. Look, if there's anything that, that Pinterest is good for, it's getting good ideas. You can get a lot of ideas off of that stuff, right? Cheap ideas, things that you can do for fun that don't cost a ton of money or whatever, you know? But it, it takes effort. It takes work. But it's effort and work that's worth it. Because in 25 years, when you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent, and you're looking back at the time that you spent with your kids, you're, gonna, you're always going to wish, man, I wish I had done that better. I wish I had done that different. But you're going to enjoy the memories. You're going to enjoy it when your kids come around with their spouse because you've taught them what it is to be married to the right person. And you've taught them what uh, being a good spouse is all about. And now they've got kids that they're trying to raise for God's glory, and it's fun to be around their families. Not, oh, here they are again. It's Christmas time. Now we've got to put up with the family for a few days. You know? No, you, you want it to be enjoyable. You want it to be something that's fun. You want it to be memories that, 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 that will last. But it starts by preparing a great future for your family. It doesn't just happen. And so all of these things that we looked at tonight are things I think that will be helpful for us in doing those things, but we have to implement them. We have to work at it. We have to keep trying. We've got to put Christ at the center, and we can never give up. And in 25 years, when you look back and the story is written on your family growing up, you're going to look back at it, and you're going to be glad. You can be glad for what you did. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for the, the good testimony tonight. What a... What a testimony of your power to see uh, Nitin's sister-in-law get saved. I pray that you just continue to do that work in her heart. God, there's so many people that we're praying for here that need to be saved as well. pray that you continue to do that work here. God, that you'd help us to never give up on our families, never give up on trying to do more for you, never give up on trying to please you. And Father, that you'd be pleased with each one of us. Thank you so much for what you do. I pray that you just give us a good rest of the week. And that you would bless the, uh, the salt as they meet tomorrow. And uh, that you just help us to be the witness for you that you want us to be. Thank you for everything that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.